You'll notice how the Lord puts it to them here. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ. Now, you didn't use that word this week, behoved. But it means it was absolutely essential for the Lord Jesus to suffer and die. It was necessary. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just a mob run, running riot in their rebellion and anarchy. This was all God's plan. It behoved. It was the very essential work of the Lord Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer on that tree, and there bleed and die, that he might be the Savior of men. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. And we have a number of very special hymns today. The Old Rugged Cross, Were You There? And Amazing Grace. And we're going to intersperse those hymns right through the program as we also get to Luke 24, 44 on preaching the gospel. This is after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And he is now commissioning his own disciples to go and take this message, which is the fulfillment of Scripture, and declare it to men that they might be saved. And I hope you'll stay tuned with us right through the program as from the pulpit of our church we bring you the message of the gospel today. And if we can be of any personal help, of course, we want you to be in touch with us. We'll give you all the announcements at the end of the program. We'll begin then with this wonderful hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. listening to Let the Bible Speak, and this is Ian Golliher. I just want to read to you from Luke 24, 44 onward to the end of the chapter. It just is the closing scenario of the commission to the disciples 
to go and preach the gospel. Let me read to you this. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Well, here we are, the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, but it has to be preached, and this is the great commission that the Lord has given to his church to go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. And for this, of course, we need to be missionary-minded, to those nations and peoples that perhaps have never heard the name of Jesus or a generation that has grown up and they have lost out and do not know the Lord and that they need to be saved. They need to be brought face to face with their need of the Savior. They need to be brought face to face with Calvary and all that was accomplished there to save men from their sins. So I trust that you will stand with us, pray for this ministry as we seek to be faithful to the Lord, preaching his word week by week, day by day, both in church and by radio to get the gospel out. And now we're turning to another hymn. It's Were You There? Were You There?
Third one, preach Christ's authority to forgive sin. It says, verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Remission of sins. That's what our Lord Jesus is all about. The Lord Jesus is not just a helper to pay the bills in life. The Lord Jesus has not just come to keep you from getting too many gray hairs too quickly, to be a helper through the struggles of life. No, the Lord Jesus came from heaven. He went to Calvary to be a savior of sinners. His work is to forgive sin. And the only way that you can do business with Jesus Christ is on the basis of the blood that forgives sin. The only way you can have a relationship with Christ is to come as a sinner, seeking his cleansing and his mercy and his grace, the remission of sins. Now, this whole matter really was offensive to the Pharisees. When our Lord Jesus conducted his earthly ministry and said on occasion, thy sins be forgiven thee, it got those Pharisees hopping mad. Who can forgive sins but God? Now, they were right, but something they didn't see. Jesus is God, and he can forgive sins, and he's the only one, the only one who can forgive sins. Now, you'll notice in verse 47 how the risen Lord put that to these apostles very, very clearly. Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Didn't stop there. In his name, his name. There is no other name under heaven. Is Christianity narrow? Yes. Is Christianity unique in the religions of the world? Yes. There's only one Savior, one sin-bearer, one Redeemer, one sacrifice offered at Calvary for sin. There's only one Son whom the Father sent to be the sin-bearer, Savior for your soul, and your remission of sins is in His name. And that's how you're saved. You come pleading Jesus' name. Any other name will not do. Now, these men took this to heart, and I'm not going to give you all the verses now, but I went through some of the verses in the book of Acts when they got into their work of evangelism and how they preached the risen Jesus, and they preached the forgiveness of sins in his name. They fulfilled this. They took that seriously, and so should we. Now, do you? Do you take it seriously that you need your sins forgiven, and that the Lord Jesus is the only one who can forgive you? But the wonderful thing is, he will, and he can. Let's not get downhearted here. Let's not beat this bush to death. Let's rejoice in the truth that there is one who can take away your sins. You came to church today burdened about your sin, about the future, about the day you're going to die and go into eternity. You're wondering how you're going to stand before God, how you'll ever get your sins forgiven. We've got the greatest news in all the world for you. Jesus really will forgive your sin because he has all authority. That's an instruction for evangelism. The next instruction is that the whole world is our mission field. <laughs> that seemed amazing to 11 men in the city of Jerusalem 
Verse 47, they should preach in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, among all nations. All nations. All the peoples of the world. That's God's will. Our gospel is an international message. It's not racist. It's not narrow. It's not pity. It is the power of God to all who believe. To all who believe. Whatever your background, whatever your color, whatever your nationality, this gospel is to be preached to all men. And this gospel is to be preached in all the world. But the sad thing is this, and the challenge is this, and Paul put it this way, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And that's the great challenge of the gospel to evangelize. The nations of this world that don't know the name of Jesus are lost. That is, that's the ministry of Christ. That's the ministry of, our, of Paul. That's biblical. This gives great urgency to our work. Now, we don't have to think of some people in the, in the mountains or the jungles, the person across the street from where you live who does not know the gospel of the Lord Jesus is lost. Maybe the best neighbor, friend, helper, but without the Lord Jesus Christ, he's lost. Up and down these streets in Cloverdale, we've got a building program going on here of many new homes all the time going on. And as people move in, we've got to realize that if they don't have Christ, they're lost. That's why we go out. That's why we go out with literature. Do what we can to speak to people. Why? Why would we bother? Because they're lost. And I've got their blood on my hands. This is serious stuff. The people of this community. This is why would I want a sign at the side of the church. Right now it says Christ died for us. This is why we need to do all in our power because men are lost. My friend, if you're not a Christian today, you're not just walking on the clean side of the road. You're lost. There's only one Savior. And the whole world is our mission field. Now these Jerusalem sinners, they were to start at Jerusalem. Jerusalem sinners were the hardest of all because they were the people that had just crucified the Savior. And you could have think of Peter, James, and John and those other disciples when they heard this to go to Jerusalem. But, but Lord, we know what they did to you. They'll do it to us. Let's go off somewhere else. Let's go off on the uh, new territory, fresh ground. Let's go where there's no history of these things. No, Jerusalem. Jerusalem sinners. And praise God, Jerusalem sinners were saved. And at Pentecost, there were those who stood at Pilate's gate and cried, crucify him, crucify him. And there were those who said, his blood be on us. Well, praise God, the blood of Jesus washed them, even from that blasphemous statement. <coughs> Jerusalem sinners. There's a Jerusalem sinner in your life, someone that you need to tell they're hard, they're opposed, they're difficult, but they are your Jerusalem, and we are to be faithful to preach to all men. Fifthly, I'll not expound too far, but we are personal witnesses. It says in verse 48, and ye are 
witnesses of these things. Now the word ye is in the second person plural for those who like grammar. Sometimes we think that the AV has the handle on using the, the ye to be specific. But in this case, the Lord was speaking to every one of the 11 disciples. And I want to show you that every one of those 11 took the Lord's word to heart. Because every one of these 11 were in the upper room in Act 1. Let's turn to Act 1 and to uh, verse 15. Act 1, verse 15. <coughs> and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, so this is Peter preaching. But if you go back to verse 13, you'll notice that in that upper room were abode both, and now we have the names. And you can count them. All 11 are there. Of course, Judas is not there. Not Judas Iscariot. But all the 11 are there. And when the Lord said to them in, in Luke 24, ye are witnesses of these things, every one of them took it to heart. Every one of them saw the Lord ascend to glory. They obeyed his word, tarry Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It's very easy for us to say, and, and one of the big trends in these days is people will ask you, well, what's your gift? And someone says, well, I've got the gift of talking. Huh. Well, let's put it to good use now. Let's put it to good use. I've got the gift of cleaning. I've got the gift of knowledge. I've got the gift of writing. I've got the gift of whatever. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. Ye are witnesses. It doesn't matter what your gift is, what your talent is, big, little, good, whatever. As a Christian, you're to be a witness in every which way you can for the Lord Jesus. So you have a personal responsibility and you have a role in witnessing that no one else can fulfill. A task, instructions for evangelism. Ye are witnesses. In North America, there's a tendency to say, well, that's pastor's work. Or unless you're elected to office, that's elders' work or deacons' work. Therefore, it's not me. Let me ask you, is the Lord Jesus your Savior? Are you depending on him for heaven? And he's speaking to you. Ye are my witnesses of these things. The last instruction that was given is verse 49. And that is, they were to pray for the Holy Spirit's endowment. Verse 49 in Luke Chapter 24. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but, but, tare. Now, you would have thought these men were ready to go. You would have thought that now they've been, after three years of discipleship, after the cross, after the resurrection, after the Lord revealing himself, giving them all these instructions, that they were all set to get into work. Get your overalls on, roll up your sleeves, and go to it. No, no. But tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power. They were not to do a thing until the Holy Spirit fell. 
And the history speaks for itself. They spent ten days in the upper room. The Holy Spirit did come down. And they were given power for the task. And it didn't depend on the energy, the gifts of eleven men. The Holy Spirit used them. And what blessing ensued. While there is a unique element in this history of Pentecost and these eleven disciples... Nevertheless, the Lord's word to every one of his people in his church is to pray. Never seek to be a witness without much prayer. Never seek to do work, spiritual work, gospel work, evangelistic work without much prayer. That's why if people are not in the prayer meeting of the church, it's less likely they're going to be good witnesses. And if we are not prayer warriors... We may have all the information. We may have all our I's and T's, I's dotted, T's stroked, and our theology lined up. But we will be weak as water. And ah, how often it happens. And I hear Christians say, Lord, I wanted to say a word, but I couldn't. And how often we don't have the spiritual power. And so we're to tarry. And this is God's program for the church. And today, as we face the great challenge of the apathy, the ungodliness around us, it's really no different from what those apostles faced in that first century. But the essential element is the sending, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon us. And the emphasis of these men was to exalt Christ. Now, that's the Holy Spirit's work. He is sent by the Father, by the Son, to reveal the Lord Jesus, to exalt him. And if we're in the work of exalting the Lord Jesus in our church, in our community, in our daily walk, then we can pray for the Holy Spirit's power and help. Oh, how we need that. And I implore with you to pray. I implore with you to plead and seek the Lord to come and clothe with you, you with power. The word in do means to be clothed. And it means just your whole person is alive, invigorated. And we need that. I need that. Pray for me. Let's get together and pray for each other. That's the work of the church. That's really the church at prayer. Get together and pray for one another. And pray the Holy Spirit comes and equips us. And then we believe there will be a work done. We have a living Christ. We have a glorious message. And we have a helper. The Holy Spirit himself. Who comes to all who exalt the Lord Jesus. Oh please. Let's get to it. Let's go. And he led them out to Bethany. At the end it says they were continually in the temple. Praising. And blessing God.
You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the home page of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.